Good morning. Today is Sunday, March 7th, 2021. This week's Parsha is the double portion, Vayakel Pekude. Also, this Shabbos, we read the fourth of four special Parshios, Parsha Sachodesh, which describes getting ready for the first Pesach, which happened actually while the Jews were still in Egypt, and gives us the main rules and laws and mitzvos about observing Pesach that comes from the Parsha Bo. But in our Parsha, Vayakel and Pekude, after we have already learned all of the objects that will go into the Mishkan, the sanctuary, and the measurements and the materials, and it has been commanded to build, in our Parsha, we have the actual work beginning. And the Torah says, Vayavo kal ish asher neso libo, v'chol asher nadvarucho ito, heviu es chumas Hashem l'mlechas olamoed. Everyone brought what was necessary. So now you have the list, you know what's needed, we need gold, we need silver, we need copper, we need this kind of cloth and that kind of cloth. And so everybody brought whatever they had available to be able to give. And they brought uh, jewelry, uh, rings and necklaces and other things made of gold in order to be able to melt down for what it was needed for the Mishkan. And they brought cloth and thread, and they brought the skins of certain animals that would use be used to cover the top. And they brought the wood that they needed, and we've discussed different aspects of all of these materials. And each person who had skill in being able to weave or to craft or to assemble, or to make, they also came forward. Lastly, the last pasuk of this, and then the Nesim, the heads, the princes, the heads of each tribe, brought the Avnei HaShoham and the Avnei HaMiluim. The Avnei HaShoham were the onyx stones. One was placed on each shoulder of the Kohen Gadol as part of his garment. And then the Choshen, the breastplate that he wore, had a place for 12 precious stones. The Nesim brought these last stones for the aphod on the shoulders and for the Choshen on the breastplate. Rashi points out there is what appears to be a misspelling in the text. The word Nesim is spelled with a Yud, Nun Samach Yud Aleph Mem. In our Parsha, the letter Yud is missing. The word Nesim is written in an incomplete fashion. Rashi notes this. And Rashi points out that their name, their title, is written in an incomplete fashion because what they did was in an incomplete fashion. The Nesim said, we need all of these materials, 
all of these objects. Let the Jewish people bring what the Jewish people will bring. Whatever is missing, we will bring it. Now that sounds like a pretty good offer. You collect whatever you can collect and whatever is missing, we will bring. We'll fill the, we'll fill the rest. But Hashem was not happy with that. Because essentially what it did is, instead of the Nesim being a role model, leading everyone else to give, the term we use in philanthropy is a leading gift. Instead of that, they stood back and let others come first. And therefore, when it was their turn, there was nothing left to give. Because the Torah tells us the Jewish people brought everything that was needed. And the Nesim felt very bad because they certainly wanted to contribute, but they made this offer that they thought was a generous offer. Let everyone else bring and we'll simply provide all the rest. We'll provide the balance. But it turned out not to work out well for them. Because since the Jewish people brought everything that was needed, there was no balance. So the Nisim came crying to Moshe, Moshe, but we have to participate. We are the leaders. And Moshe said, all right, well, the last two stones and the stones that are in the Choshen, they were not yet brought. You can bring those stones. But the Torah records for all time in a subtle way records for all time that the Nesim did not act properly because they were given the opportunity to do a mitzvah and they delayed. Maybe they had a reason for delay. Maybe they had a, a, a rationalization, but it was not correct. It was not the right, proper way. They did not act like leaders. And therefore, for all time in our Parsha, their name is written incorrectly, incompletely to remind us that they had a lack of leadership, a lack of enthusiasm in being able to help support the Mishkan at the first possible opportunity. And this is a lesson that applies to every single one of us in every single area of life. One of the great scholars of Talmudic law lived in Eastern Europe, known to us as the Bach, Rabbi Yoel Serkis. He told the following story. There was once a poor man and he approached his wealthy friend with a request. The poor man wanted to rent an inn from a non-Jewish lord and by renting this inn, he would be able to turn it into a place of business, rent it out to people for guests, and be able to make a living and support his family. But the, non the poor man did not know the non-Jewish owner. The wealthy man had dealings with this non-Jewish owner. So the poor man said to the wealthy man, would you just go please speak to him? and see if he's interested in this offer and would be willing, with your help, would be willing to engage in this business transaction with me. The wealthy man said, sure, I'm happy to help you. But he said, I have to explain, 
right now you caught me on my way out of town. I'm in a rush. I'm going to a fair in the big town. And when I get back in a couple of days, I'll be happy to follow your request and I'll take care of it for you. Okay. The man, the wealthy man went on his trip. The poor man was very grateful that his friend was willing to help him. The wealthy man came back from his trip a couple of days later. He went to the non-Jewish Lord who agreed and the poor man was able to make a living and support his family from this and it worked out all around just fine. Years later, the wealthy man passed away. And the Bach, Rabbi Yol Sirkis, who was the rabbi of the community of all of these people, the Bach had a dream. And in the dream, this wealthy man came to the Bach and he said to him, Rebbe, I have to tell you what happened to me after I passed away and came to heaven to be judged by the heavenly court because this is something that you, Rabbi, you need to tell the community now so that they do not make the same mistake that I made. The wealthy man continued and said the story. He came before God and the heavenly tribunal and the heavenly tribunal found that yes, he had done a mitzvah to speak to this non-Jewish Lord on behalf of his poor friend. And he would be rewarded with a place in heaven for that mitzvah. To help somebody else be able to support themselves is the highest form of tzedakah. But as he was about to enter Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, the Malach, the angel that had been created by the good deed that he did, stopped him. The man said, why am I not allowed entry? I did a mitzvah. I helped someone. The Malach, the angel said, yes, yes, you helped him, but you delayed. You could have done it right away, but you put your own needs first. You put your own trip first, your own ability to earn a profit first. After you finished your own business, then you got around to taking care of the poor person. You'll get a reward but you too will have to wait a while. It'll come, but it's going to be delayed. The Bach woke up the next morning in fright to learn of the serious consequences. Here's a person who did a mitzvah, did the highest mitzvah of helping someone else to be able to earn an income. He did what he said, and he told the person he was going to be delayed in doing it. And yet he was still held accountable because he delayed. He did the right thing, but he didn't do it with alacrity. He didn't do it hastily. He didn't do it as soon as possible. And the Bach stood up in his community and he told this story, what the soul of the wealthy person who had departed told him to say, don't ever make that mistake which is the same mistake as the Nisim. They were willing to be generous. They were willing to support it. But later, on their own timetable, and maybe they had an excuse, 
but the excuse is not enough. When there is an opportunity to do a mitzvah, we must run to do that mitzvah and not delay. This Shabbos, in addition to the double portion of Vayakhel Pekudeh that we will read in Shul, and if we're at home, we should study at home, we also read Parshas HaChodesh, the fourth of the four special portions before Pesach. And in this Shabbos' reading of Parshas HaChodesh, we read a Pesach. Ushamartem esamatzos. And you shall guard the matzah. We learn from this phrase the concept of shmura matzah, that not only what must we be careful that the, the flour not come into contact with any kind of moisture until it's mixed with water and then immediately put in the oven to bake so that it's matzah and not chametz, but we are to guard before it becomes flour, while it's still grain, as soon as it is harvested, we are to watch and protect that those stalks, that that grain doesn't come into any contact with moisture. So there's not even the slightest possibility that the actual product might eventually be chametz, God forbid, for the matzah that we're going to use on Pesach. This mitzvah teaches us the alacrity and the care and the enthusiasm and the strictness that we have to have when it comes to creating matzah. Guard the matzahs. That's the matzah we call shmura matzah, guarded matzah, protected matzah. And then Rashi adds the following. This obligation to be extra careful with the flour, the wheat, the stalks that will eventually be made into matzah for Pesach. This alacrity and care and concern is not limited to this one mitzvah. It is universal. Because when the Torah says, Ushamartem as a matzos, the word matzos, mem, tzadi, vav, saf, spell out the word mitzvos, change in vowels, but the same letters. Ushamartem esa mitzvos, guard every mitzvah, not just Pesach, not just matzah, but every mitzvah, this must be our attitude. And our rabbis say, kederach she'em machmitzen esa matzos, just like we don't allow the matzah to perhaps get fermented, to perhaps start to get sour because of the delay, because of our lack of care and alacrity and enthusiasm in making sure that it is done properly. Don't allow any mitzvah to be dealt with in an insignificant fashion, in a procrastinated manner, as if it will become chametz. Chametz means the dough was left alone, was left on its own to sour, to rise, to become something unacceptable for Pesach. Our sages tell us that 
problem exists for every mitzvah. For every mitzvah. We must not allow ourselves to delay, to be careless, but rather, when a mitzvah comes to our hand, we should perform it as soon as possible. And our sages tell us, a greatness of these nesim, they made a mistake. They, maybe they had a rationalization. Maybe they had what they thought was a good reason for it. But it was a mistake. But they learned their lesson. Because when it came time to dedicating the Mishkan, when it came time that the Mishkan was created, and yes, their stones, their gift of their precious stones, made it in under the wire, the last gift that was given. <clears throat> but when it came time to dedicate, they were first in line. They were the first. They did not make this mistake again. They learned from their mistake. And when we come to the Sefer Bamidbar and we talk about the gifts of the Nasiyim in the parish of Naso, we talk about how the Nasi for the first day and the Nasi for the second day and the Nasi for the third day, the first 12 days of the dedication of this finished structure, they brought the gifts first because they were not going to make the same mistake that they had made before. That's also a sign of greatness to have made a mistake and learn from the mistake and to correct it the next time it becomes possible. <coughs> but this becomes for us a general trait not related only to Pesach. When there is the opportunity to fulfill a mitzvah, don't be last, be first. I remember we were living in New Haven and there was a man, we were very close friends, a very holy man. His name was Rabbi Tadros Fink. He came from Berdichev, he was a link with a previous world of Judaism. Such a holy, pure, sweet man. He used to come to shul every day. And he used to tell me, it's not enough to come to shul. And it's not enough to come on time to shul. It is necessary to be one of the ten that creates the minion. And through his whole life, he would always try to be not only on time, but within the first 10 people that came so that he helped to create the minion. It's interesting. As he got older, the version of the story that he would t tell changed a little bit. And when he got older, he used to say, Maybe he thought he was telling me the same thing. He used to say, it's not enough to be the first 10. You have to be the first. And he would do everything in his power to be the first person to arrive in shul. Just like we do not take our time and delay with the matzos, 
all of our mitzvahs should take this lesson. Do it as fast as we can, as soon as we can, with as much enthusiasm as we can. That's the lesson of, Dr. of Mr. Fink. That's the lesson that the Nasim had to learn the hard way. Let's you and I try to learn it the easy way. My friends, I wish you a great day filled with mitzvahs done with alacrity. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person. Have a wonderful day.